y'all. Welcome to the Ground Game Podcast. I'm your host, Bushido Squirrel, and today we're sitting down with Krista Venuska and Henry DeGroote from the Socialist Students at UCLA, and we're going to be talking about the UCLA Regents meeting. So uh, how are you guys doing today? Doing pretty well. Yeah, not bad. Excellent. So let's talk about the Board of Regents real quick. So real quickly, give me an overview on who they are and what they do. Sure. So the Board of Regents um, is technically, I think, independent from the uh, this government of California, um, but the members are either ex officio, which means they sit on the Board of Regents because they hold some office uh, in the state legislature, the governor's ex officio member, or, or they're appointed by the governor uh, for 12-year terms, I think. And uh, they basically run the entire University of California uh, system, and I think Cal State as well, and they're unelected, unaccountable, and it's really a, a click of some of the most powerful and wealthy um, politicians and uh, corporate uh, leaders, not just in the state of California, but in the whole country. Yeah, because right now the head of the board is uh, Janet Napolitano, who was the governor of my home state, uh, Arizona, before she went to the Obama administration and then came back to run the Board of Regents. And people aren't super happy with her tenure. Um, what's your guys' opinion so far? Um, we have not been happy with what we've seen from the region so far. The What we're focusing on right now is the upcoming vote on the tuition hike. Um, so one of the regions, Norman Petit's, um, couple years, about December 2016, I believe, there was a recording of him sexually harassing one of his employees that came out. Um, and so there was an initial call to have him resign, but he did not step down. Um, and the UC regions were unable to hold him accountable for that. And there's no structure in place to... Um, get him to remove him from but so outside of these kind of the center of malfeasance what are they planning as far as a tuition hike like do you guys know what the details are that they're looking at yeah so uh tuition is going from high to significantly higher um but i think the i don't have the the exact figures in front of me but what we're fighting against is is not just one tuition hike it's actually uh i'm a senior now this is going to be my third time uh, that the regents are uh, going to vote to raise tuition. And we've seen uh, just an astronomical uh, increase. I mean, it's really for me to hear what uh, I uh, was talking with a student who graduated in 96. Uh, to hear what he was paying for tuition was like, I thought he was joking. It was under $2,000 uh, a year. And uh, now I think for uh, in-state, it's it's upwards of twelve. not to mention all the costs of housing. Um, and so what we're really fighting is not just, it's not one tuition hike, it's a, a long trajectory of privatization and austerity. There's also the fact that only, I think, 10% of the UC, UC funding comes from the state. Mm -hmm. So it's been moving, for a public university, that's a really small number, and it's been moving. Uh, and so have you guys been getting any support from the administration, from the faculty, um, or is this purely you're only getting support from students? Well, I think there is a lot of support from faculty against austerity um, because as much as um, the university attempts to divide and conquer with faculty, you know, having some tenure track while putting, you know, a lot of pressure on lecturers, they're all smart uh, individuals. They know what's going on. Uh, they see their own salary, you know, maybe going up a little bit every year, but um, they see that the regents and the chancellors are voting themselves conveniently 
fat raises every year. And but yeah, we, we have no uh, expectations that the administration will give us any sort of support um, because they're really the ones that are cashing in on all of this. Um, so either directly like the regents themselves um, make a lot of money, but also the really incestuous and insidious business deals that they're able to uh, allocate to their friends and family uh, through uh, their position on the Board of Regents is um, quite, uh, oh, it should be criminal. And in fact, we had um, uh, the chancellor of, of UC uh, Davis um, stepped down just last year because of her uh, connection with uh, private uh a private education company. It was it, it was also partially related to pepper spray cop back from Occupy days, like, which I remember was uh, they had paid a quarter million dollars or something like that to have private investigators come in. So they've got a lot of leverage over these funds. Um, and I got to ask, on the campus, do you guys feel that the money that they are bringing in is going to the students or is going to these corporate sort of like branding-ish deals? A lot of the money tends to be distributed unevenly among the students, so student athletes. Um, I know right now there's a big new compound being built for them um, and some fancy new housing digs, but um, it tends to be weighted on the the more higher priority <laughs> students. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not going to the bread and butter, the reason why students are there, which is academics, our class sizes, uh, are sometimes astronomical. Sometimes you walk into your lecture on the first day of class and you're one of 400. Um, and uh, like Krista was saying, you know, they are doing some kind of beautification um, projects. I remember um, my freshman housing, we had this central um, beautiful kitchen. You know, it looked like something out of, um, I don't know, these magazines like Modern Home or whatever it is. Um, but nobody ever used the kitchen because it was really there for show and to, to actually use it was incredibly difficult. You had to sign up like a week in advance. So it's really um, a lot of what they're investing in is a facade. It's looks so that they can boost their numbers, their prestige in terms of applications uh, so they re can re you know reject more uh, students and um, show that they're a very prestigious university. But you know obviously where the money should be going to is hiring more professors, uh, lecturers, paying the TAs better, paying the workers living wages and not um, uh, outsourcing and uh, undermining and union busting, uh, which, you know, they always seem to have, a, you know, plenty of money for um, anti-union uh, initiatives, but uh, never enough money to, you know, fix class sizes or really serve uh, student need. And do you guys sense from your fellow students that, like, I, I imagine uh, the tuition is burdensome, but... Do you is it a normal experience to see other students like suffering, not able to afford meals, not able to afford like the basic necessities of life because of the cost of school? For sure. That's a, a common experience I've seen of the bare bones meal plan is not enough food for one person for a week unless you're spending an hour and a half in dining hall, like shoving yourself with food, basically like there's no. Give me some funny <laughs> images here. Yeah. Well, There's it, no way to survive on a lot of these really, on, on the less expensive. But I think a lot of it, at least at UCLA, it goes uh, kind of unseen. It goes on behind the scenes. I mean, you can't walk into your class and know, it's not easy to know that the student sitting next to you has been crashing on their friend's couch for three months because they can't afford the rent. Um, but I remember just, just last week I was in the, I was right um, outside the, um, uh, food closet and they just had a new 
um, uh, delivery, uh, some mac and cheese and other uh, staples, I think some cereals were delivered. And there was a fat line of people, uh, you know, just trying to get these basic necessities because they can't afford between uh, tuition, textbooks, rent and and food. They can't afford to um, put food in their mouths. So it is really um, a, a crisis. Uh, absolutely. But uh, oftentimes it's brushed under the rug and it's hidden, like we said, by, um, you know, different uh, athletic initiatives or uh, remodeling. Uh, so the campus, you know, especially UCLA, I mean, you walk there, uh, it's, you know, right in the hills between Beverly Hills and Bel Air and Brentwood. It's beautiful, but uh, there's a lot of uh, suffering that that is that beauty hides. It, it's something that we talk about a lot more when it comes to like uh, the city colleges like LA City College, uh, maybe the, the Cal States a little bit because they're not as flagship. And so it's it's somewhat sobering to understand that the flagship universities are also experiencing that kind of poverty and that kind of like hardship on the students. Uh, and I want to ask, does this affect people's ability to graduate? Like, do you find people who go into a program and realize, oh, it's going to take five or six years to complete my physics major and just decide to not do it? Yeah, it's definitely a burden. Um, I'm only a first year, so I've seen less of people's trajectory through the system. Um, but I've heard many cases of people having to take a year off um, or. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm definitely fortunate enough um, not to have to consider that. But um, I remember I had a friend uh, freshman year who was um, from a working p uh, part of L.A. and was getting A's in his math classes. He was a math major. And, you know, my math skills are terrible. I can never get A's in math. Um, but he decided that he had to drop out his freshman year um, with like nearly a 4.0 GPA because he couldn't afford it and he had to support his family. Mm -hmm. And so I think it just um, it gets at the, the issue both at the UC and in our wider society. I mean, we're socialists. We see that there is incredible wealth and opportunity in this world, but it's just uh, the distribution is, is incredibly inequitable. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, people who have talent, um, who have ability are not given the opportunities to, to pursue those. So this idea of meritocracy is really a, a cruel lie. So let's talk tactics real quick. So how are you guys getting the buzz out about this? Are you just like talking to your fellow students? Um, what kind of strategies are you guys employing? We try to have a significant presence tabling out on UCLA, around UCLA. Um, there's a pretty significant walkway that we're on every day talking to students, trying to get them to stop and have a conversation. Um, and about because many students that I know personally are not aware or don't connect tuition hikes with regents um, they don't see them as coming from people in power they just happen um, but trying to empower students to realize that you know there is a decision being made that they can at least try to have a voice in mm -hmm. the, I, and this tuition X machina seems like it feeds kind of the power structure at UCLA and, and universities in general where if you see tuition hikes as a force of nature you're less likely to try and intervene mm -hmm. um, how uh, how's your guys reception been amongst the students are people like interested once you get talking to them do they not really care what's what's kind of the feel yeah I think it can be a challenge because um, it can seem so um, so so much bigger than student power uh, can handle. Uh, and frankly, I mean, our student organizing throughout the UC, uh, not our group, uh, but just radical politics in general, uh, have been pretty weak over the last five years. Um, and so it can be quite formidable, um, but it is really important that we do have uh, conversations. Um, and I just wanted to um, uh, talk about, you were talking about tactics. I mean, what, one thing that we've... Um, 
been able to put together uh, actually since uh, the Regents meeting in May. So there was in um, in the spring it came out that the Regents had this $170 million slush fund that they didn't. Re uh, did you hear about this? Yes. Right. So they didn't report it to the state auditors. Uh, and there was actually uh, Napolitano led coordinated uh, efforts to hide the funds from the auditors. Uh, I don't understand how she's not in jail. I mean, it seems illegal to me. Uh, I know that if, you know, I do that on my taxes. And uh, so we were able to actually, socialist students led the uh, formation of a, uh, a statewide kind of network, um, which we launched as the UC Autonomous Student Federation, which is uniting um, different groups. So we have groups in Students for a Democratic Society. We have Student Activist Network at UC Santa Barbara, um, also one of the chapters of the Democratic Socialists of America, the Young Democratic Socialists of America at, up at Santa Cruz. So we've all gotten together. And over the last year, I mean, that's really been one of the main projects has been building up this connection and really figuring out how can we explain to students the linkages between these basic policy issues like tuition hikes or um, housing um, to the wider political structural forces um, and the rule that uh, the capitalist parties, the Democrats and Republicans, uh, have uh, over our university, over our daily lives. You touch on something here that's really interesting, is that the UC system is very diverse. That's that's one of its strengths. You know, all of the universities kind of cater to different niches and stuff. How, what difficulties have you found trying to coordinate again, uh, across those different campuses? Because like UC Santa Cruz, significantly different than like UC San Diego, different than UCLA, like they all have different student, student populations that they're serving, as well as like different areas of study and ways that they want to spend them. Yeah, you know, I, I don't see that as much of a, uh, that's not a, our biggest challenge for sure. I mean, uh, there are a lot of differences Ge geographically. It's very hard. Like some of our uh, people in this uh, UCASF are going to not be coming down because it's, you know, like eight hours. They're going to be holding teach-ins at their universities. But I mean, I would say that it's really the, the model of the neoliberal university where students have an incredible amount of pressure to take on extra classes to be some sort of uh, academic superstar so that they can get a basic uh, middle-class job going out of uh, college um, that's definitely a bigger burden in that um, we just don't have time we're balancing so many different things and and again I mean trying to support yourself um, uh, you know I, I work a job on campus uh, thinking that I could possibly support myself it's laughable. I mean, the wage that we get compared to what's needed. Um, so I would say that it, part of the problem is that these issues that we're trying to fight themselves are demobilizing themselves, take away our power. And so I think one way to confront that is we need to have small victories uh, so that we can raise consciousness so people know that, hey, if you're going to make sacrifices, if you're going to put off that midterm, if you're going to, um, you know, stay up late tonight so you can get work done, even though you have to go in uh, to open up uh, the coffee shop on campus tomorrow, it's going to be worth your time because we're going to be uh, advancing the cause. We're not just going to be, you know, uh, sitting around in a discussion circle, never getting anything done. Uh, so that's something that we've we've tried to work out. Um, but I wouldn't say that the the differences between the different campuses have been as big a burden as that. And and it seems like you mentioned like there's teach-ins going on. So you guys have tactics that you're able to deploy across like multiple campuses and ways to like bring all of these campuses into the fold as it were and like educate them. I was wondering outside of teach-ins, teach are you guys doing publications? How else are you getting the word out? 
Yeah, so we do have a, a blog that's not uh, very regularly updated, um, but uh, last quarter um, Ben Shapiro came, and that was actually the f we uh, had used this mobilized this coalition. That was our first statewide actual um, event. Um, so uh, folks came down from different campuses to help us uh, stand against his uh, xenophobia, and um, that was really fascinating because when we talk about campus politics, I mean, there's a very organized uh, war for the campus, battle for the campus that, uh, and these, I mean, this is kind of a, another aside, although intimately connected, is the, the big money forces that don't just control the regions, but also um, separate big money forces that are, you know, mobilizing the far right on our campuses. And so, um, we're definitely looking to to step that up. I mean, um, this will really be our, our second kind of coordinated day of action. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really, I mean, even though we've, we've had this network for eight months now, it is still in its, its baby stages. But um, there's a lot of people, more and more people are getting on the calls every week and uh, we're more and more organized. So I think uh, Napolitano should get scared. For those of us, or for, for students who might want to color in the lines as it were, uh, what kind of talking points would you give someone who is going to go make public comment? Like, what kind of knowledge are you looking to arm people with on a common level so that they've got some stuff that they can say, some questions that they can ask to those in power? I mean, again, with this public comment, I, mean, I remember the first Regents meeting I went to when I was a, a freshman. I believe um, that people were making public comment, and Napolitano was quoted as saying, maybe you remember this, talking to one of her cronies, we don't have to listen to this shit. And they went out of the room. I don't know what they did. They were eating muffins and bagels or something for like 30 minutes. Uh, obviously paid for by the UC. Chief Beck does the same thing when we give him hell. It's a pretty, you know, uh, a tried and true strategy to simply ignore what you don't want to be listening to. Right, absolutely. And so um, what we would say is that um, we need to, uh, like we said, we need to draw the connection between these, these what seem like campus policies and the wider political forces of, uh, the Democratic and Republican parties, of capitalism in general, of neoliberalism and austerity. Um, and what that means is that we can't be relying on administrators. Some, you know, even of our allies in different student government, et cetera, they say, oh, why don't we, you know, sit on this board that the regents are asking us to sit on so we can advise them. You know, there's a student regent um, who's appointed by the regents. Um, we base our struggle, um, the UC ASF, um, Isla Vista Manifesto, which is our, our founding and uniting document, it says we base our struggle on the open uh, struggle against those in power. We don't think that there's going to be any sort of um, cooperation between us and them. They're our enemies, and we want to out-organize them. We want to defeat them, and we want to remove them from power. And, you know, uh, after that happens, looking back, we'll probably see that their records have not been clean, and they'll end up in jail. So... Uh, I, you know, you can't really work together well with someone that you're trying to lock up. Mm -hmm. and, and so to, to sort of stretch our brains a little bit here, let's assume that you did get to make demands of the regents. What would you like to see changed at like a fundamental level, like the way that graduate students are dealt with and, um, the you know, not just uh, how much people are paying? So the UCASF UC is ultimately working towards the democratization of the UC Regents Board. So having elected student representatives, faculty representatives, worker representatives, um, replacing these regents who have we have no control over as of now. Um, that campaign is not in any like 
formal planning stages right now, but ultimately that is what we would like to see. But so it's not just you, it's not just you guys want the regions to set like set you know tuition can only go up by this much or like will increase pay this much. You guys want to see that entire process reform? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of a novel idea, you know, in a democracy that maybe the people in charge of an institution but should be elected by the communities, the students, workers, and faculty who make that union, I mean, that uh, institution, uh, you know, run in the day-to-day. Pretty pretty wild idea, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, absolutely, we want to see that. So that's one of our main demands and um, is the democratization of the regents. But, again, you know, that's kind of a more lofty goal that we need to build up to. Um, And also that it's not going to just take place on its own. That is not going to happen without outside of the context of national and international uh, uprisings of the 99%. So um, we've seen that there has been a a really uh, incredible relationship between um, student movements, particularly California students, and wider um, struggles. We saw that the very language of Occupy um, really and the tactics came out of the 2009-2010 student movement where we had... um, quite radical, um, you know, occupations, and then that language and those tactics were taken up um, later uh, and definitely had an influence in the Battle of Wisconsin, which bled directly into the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement. And, um, uh, but more concretely, I mean, just talking about tuition, um, we think that it's really necessary to tax the millionaires in California, the millionaires and billionaires, uh, to fully fund higher education And we're also concerned with the incredible militarization of UCPD. Uh, The last regents meeting that I I was at up in uh, UCSF, which itself is like a bunker, Uh, it's a fortress, but not only is it a fortress, they have like 40, 50 uh, heavily armed UCPD officers with barricades. They even had an ATV, two two UCPD officers, one with an AR-15, uh, driving around and so it's incredibly heavily militarized and what's ironic is that uh, and what's sick is that they use these incursions by the far right to justify the increased militarization when Shapiro came um, they were incredibly militarized but that's not keeping us safe when the first of all w- when that's happening and then ultimately th- those forces are actually deployed against what the regions had in, the, in mind in the first place, student worker resistance. So, so we saw, um, did you see the brutal video of, of David Cole a month ago? So this, uh, um, we were out at UCLA and, and um, workers in the, uh, in Ashmi local 3299, which represents uh, dining hall workers, service, other service workers and patient care workers um, throughout the UC. It's the UC's biggest union. Uh, one of their members, uh, was was picketing and uh, was uh, tackled to the ground brutally and ended up having to get stitches in his face by UCBD. Um, and it was really uh, just traumatic to watch. And, and that is, uh, you were mentioning the pepper spray incident. Um, that is really what UCBD and police in general are here for. It's not uh, to protect and serve us. It's to protect and serve the rich, uh, the regents. The billionaire. Uh, so uh, for people who want to learn more about your guys' struggle against the regents, want to perhaps get involved in some way, where, where can they go to do that? Yeah, sure. So for um, the UCASF, we have uh, a blog at 
uh, ucstudentfederation.wordpress.com, I think is the website. Um, you can also find our page at uh, UC Autonomous Student Federation. Uh, we have a Facebook page. And then um, I would really encourage folks who are not just interested in you know fighting tuition hikes, but are interested in socialism in particular to check out Socialist Students at socialstudent.net. Uh, or our wider organization, if they're not students, uh, Socialist Alternative, um, and we, those both have websites as well. I want to touch a little bit more on what it's like to be a socialist student on campus nowadays, because like I went to USC, uh, and I helped run a paper there called The Trojan Horse, which was like our kind of insurgent answer to the Daily Trojan, uh, and that was during the, the Iraq War, like the beginning of the Iraq War. Um, and that was very depressing. There wasn't a lot of energy. There was a, like people who were energized were energetic, but there wasn't a lot. And I wanted to see what you guys are feeling like with campus life. Do you feel like it's pulling to the left, to the right, to the indifferent? Um, are you having a lot of struggles meeting comrades and getting energy up? Just kind of generally, what's it like to be a socialist on campus right now? I only started at UCLA pretty recently, but I've found that people are generally receptive or not hostile. Um, I'll be out flyering and I haven't had anyone, you know, get mad at me. I have, there's a lot of people who have a vague interest and have been energized by things like Bernie Sanders's, the Bernie Sanders campaign in the past year or so. Um, and so I think awareness is pulling to the left, but on UCLA specifically, it tends to be more oriented towards identity-based groups. Um, so a lot of student activism happens with the Black Student Union or um, uh I think the Palestinian justice group, um, I don't know, Henry, maybe you have other examples, but I think that's where a lot of the activism. Yeah, I think it's a it's really interesting uh, uh, contradiction that we have right now um, in the way that youth activism uh, has developed, uh, not taking into account just over the last month where we've seen incredible uh, school student uh, uprisings. But um, when I first joined the organization uh, Socialist Alternative four years ago, um, when we would go out and you know, try and talk to people uh, and use the word socialism, you get a lot of dirty looks, right? Uh, so before Bernie Sanders, um, uh, and we weren't afraid of that word, but, you know, for some people it was definitely a turnoff. Others uh, still a turn on, and, and they were interested, in, and we uh, were able to recruit them. Um, but I would say that Occupy brought a unique energy in terms of really encouraging people to, to, to get involved themselves and be leaders themselves and not wait for someone else. Um, and I'm kind of missing that. I, I kind of wish there was more of that because there's definitely a lot of, you know, the resistance is actually, I mean, it's so broad and so many people feel they're part of it that it's actually kind of useless um, because it's too, it's too broad. And it, it feels like it's gotten nebulous and co-opted by people like Eric Garland is the Twitter favorite for the hashtag resistance. And it sort of means nothing when you Absolutely. have 17 Democrats voting to roll back Dodd-Frank. Uh, and it, it's very frustrating to get people to actually uh, organize around like a set concept or something to be like, yes, I am a socialist or yes, I'm committed to communism versus vague. Like, I don't like this thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so what I would say is that um, on the one hand, that kind of Occupy autonomous, spontaneous energy has fallen off a bit. Um, and the, the generation coming up as freshmen, they don't really have any memory of, of Occupy Wall Street directly. Um, which is pretty different from university campuses five years ago where that was a very strong influence just kind of tapering, beginning to taper off. But then we have the Bernie Sanders campaign, which has made the actual ideas of socialism way more uh, favorable. And um, so I think where we're really at is that 
um, we really want to find people who are not, you know, don't just see that, okay, capitalism is bad and like rich people are messing up our climate and our economy, but actually um, who see the need for revolution, who see that um, we can't reform our way out of this system. And uh, there's, I mean, the, the real limiting factor is not students, um, consciousness, or not being enough students. It's, it's ourselves that we don't have the resources to go out and recruit every um, future Marxist, every future Bolshevik, every future uh, revolutionary um, on our campus. So um, I think there's, there's really just been an incredible radicalization. And I think we can't talk about that without talking about um, the rise of the far right, uh, which has really dominated um, especially the campus politics, campus news, the news cycle. That I mean, if you think two years ago, you didn't see that that much. It was mostly about um, like huge Black Lives Matter mobilizations like around Mizzou, uh, and that was incredibly exciting. Um, but now more and more, you know, the, the news, people talking about campuses in the media, it's about these, these incursions by... Um, either you know alt light or you know explicit there was the the richard spencer um uh thing yesterday at the msu campus yeah, that went incredible. off poorly uh for for mr spencer yeah uh the the uh the people who showed up to to counter his message were were pretty robust uh many of them got arrested so if you want to do some mutual aid people always need bail money because we still do cash bail in this country because it's dumb but you're seeing like I think you said, their their impact is not so much in what they're saying or doing, but they're causing a lot of eyeballs to come and causing kind of a reactionary. Well, I think uh, what what I mean is that uh, a lot of students are realizing that the real significance of uh, or the the real nature of society, which is a uh, society is and history is one of class struggle, uh, of real violence, and uh, we've been in kind of since the collapse of the USSR. Um, kind of an interperiod where um, even when there is kind of like Occupy Wall Street was rather peaceful, um, where the state doesn't have to, uh, especially for like young white students, it doesn't bear itself naked. Uh, we saw that at Davis, but that's kind of uh, one exception. Now, obviously, for young black men and, and women, uh, the state bears itself naked and they, they're very aware of the, the nature of police in the state. Uh, in uh, hyper-policing their communities and, and murdering young black and brown people. Um, but I think the the rise of fascism uh, and the alt-right and uh, the murder of Heather Heyer um, has really forced the the class-conscious students, the more aware and woke students, to realize that, you know, this is serious business. It's not just, oh, love and, and goodwill. We want to, you know, have harmony throughout the world. And and uh, we're just gonna kind of tax the rich. Like, no, this is a very serious uh, struggle, and and um, you know we don't want it to be violent, but our opponents certainly have no uh, qualms against that. And so, uh, to sort of wrap it up here, uh, our last kind of creative thinking question is going to be: 2020 is coming up uh, in a couple of years. Uh, hopefully, a new president, or hopefully, or not so hopefully, four more years of geo hell. But what do you guys see as? the strongest thing that the student activist movement can do from your perspective? One of our most exciting possible campaigns, or to me right now anyway, is um, UCASF potentially launching, actually, is this? Okay. UCASF potentially launching a student union um, for student workers, advocating for um, 
them, but also not only advocating for their righteous workers, but building a politically aware movement of students from across UC campuses um, and specifically class conscious students. Um, so these student workers who have seen, who have experienced the brunt of the way these systems, the inequities of these systems coming together um, and having a political voice, not only in the union, but also towards the wider issues of the UC. Yeah, and I think that um, what Krista touched on is really important. Uh, I think the, the role of students is um, to be the voice and to express uh, the needs of the new generation and, and to really um, be critical of um, the older uh, left and especially the more wishy-washy forces of um, progressives. Um, I've been very excited to see that um, you know these new uh, faces that the Democratic Party puts out, like Kamala Harris or um, uh, Joe Kennedy the third. Uh, actually, my first—I'm uh, ashamed to say—my first uh, political gig was as a student intern in high school for Joe's uh, first run for office back in Boston, um, and I, I learned a little thing about the Democrats there. But um, that you know these neoliberal faces are immediately called out by the youth. They're uh, the Democrats haven't been very successful in getting someone unmarked, uh, unblemished that the youth will actually accept, but who will also put forward corporate policies. And so I think that the, the students can play an incredible role in, for example, disrupting candidate forums and just calling out neoliberalism as neoliberalism um, and uh, bullshit as bullshit. Um, and but what what Krista said, I think one of the one of the biggest problems with student organizing is just the amateur nature of it, that students as a class, uh, they only exist basically for four years. If you look back in the history, for example, of SDS back in the 60s, a lot of it was led by the grad students who were more mature, they had a longer perspective, and they had uh, more resources to fight. Um, and so one thing that um, is really needed is for an organization, and we think that uh, a new uh, labor union for undergraduate service workers could could provide this to really build a consistency um, across the student struggle so that, I mean, basically what happens is maybe freshman or sophomore year you get involved, you learn something junior year, and then by senior year you're leading a group and then you graduate. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I mean, what was incredible for me coming to UCLA is like, wait, there's not already a radical like statewide coalition that's doing incredible work, that's facilitating all this? Why? Like, And it was kind of absurd to me that we really had to rebuild that through the UCASF. Um, but I think that, I mean, that's just a problem that we have to deal with. And so to some degree, overcoming that amateur nature so that we can really have a consistency and a pr more professional level of student uh, activism is going to be really key. And uh, again, uniting like the basic needs of undergraduate student workers as workers, uh, you know, fighting for better wages, uh, for maybe rent stipends and, and f against sexual harassment on the job, um, connecting those to the wider political economic issues of the Democrats and Republicans and of, of capitalism. And, and, you know, that could be a really powerful tool to, to push even the labor movement to the left, where even, you know, we have some very militant uh, fighting unions that we work with on campus um, that, you know, and, w you know, we love um, 
standing with our workers and we're always going to stand with our workers against the administration. But some of these unions are, are were writing fat checks to Hillary Clinton, even when she was running against Bernie Sanders. So um, there really needs to be, I think, uh, part of the, the role that campuses have is the role of campus unions. And we could do a lot to push those to the left and at least maybe not in a revolutionary direction, but at least an anti-corporate uh, direction. So uh, thank you guys very much. Uh, for those of you listening, the uh, Regents meeting is going to be going down at UCLA from March 13th to March 15th. The big date is going to be March 14th when they meet to talk about the tuition increases. Uh, I would get involved. Uh, there's not a lot of pressure to put on the Regents, but keep in mind we've got a gubernatorial election coming up. Gavin Newsom seems to be the favorite. Hopefully we can push him to the left or start making some changes, perhaps get Janet Napolitano removed. In the meantime, though, rest well at night knowing that the kids are out there kicking some ass on your behalf. And again, thank you guys very, very much for this very articulate and very interesting discussion. Thank you for having us. Thank you.